Hi, everyone. I am so excited for you to hear my conversation with my brilliant friend, Kim Raver, who directed and executive produced Tempting Fate, my new Lifetime movie. I can't wait for you to see it. The movie premieres on Lifetime on June 15th at 8 o'clock, 7 central. I love this woman. Hi, I'm Kim Raver, and I'm a director. Sorry, not sorry. Matt Shaw. Gabby Cartwright. You have kids? Yeah, I have two kids. Ham and cheese. I'm vegan. Just eat the bread. And a husband. And a white picket fence. Gabby, what is it? The whole idea was for us to reconnect. I'll make it up to you, I promise. It's one thing to be a little flirty over text, but for you to be flirty with someone that you can't have. You're absolutely certain that I'm flirting with somebody that I can't have. You're not able to see the ripple effect of what you've done? I regret hurting the man that I love. Listen to me. Congratulations. You're pregnant. What am I going to do? Try to save your marriage. First of all, the first time I had any sort of inclination about what we were doing... Um, I had flown to Toronto, and I was doing wardrobe fitting for our movie, our Lifetime movie, Tempting Fate. Mm-hmm. Vancouver. Vancouver? Oh, were we in Vancouver? <laughs> yes, yes, that's Vancouver. how busy you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how much I travel. Your director has to remind you where you were. <laughs> yeah. Vancouver, and I was in a wardrobe fitting. Mm-hmm. And this was before I knew that Manu was your husband. And I knew that you guys were directing together, and I thought, oh, that's cool. She must have an amazing partner. Little did I know it was a life partner. I think I was trying to keep that on the down low. I yeah. was like, well, we are professionals. Right. We are. Because somehow I thought, oh, if, you know, if people know that it's my romantic life partner, are they going to take us serious? And I was like, you know what? There's so many partners out there that work together. Like, Yeah, that's like saying nobody would take the Fairley brothers seriously. I know. Because they're I, brothers. I know. Right? But there was something in me that was like, and maybe that comes from like the woman thing. Like, I got to prove myself. Right. But I'll let you go on. But that was my little interjection. So so the wardrobe designer was the one that told me that you were married. And I was like, that's amazing. That is so cool. How is that? How how is that? And she was like, well, it's great if they get along. (laughs) And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. So that was like the first sort of Kim Raver experience that that I had. And then... I don't know, maybe three hours later, I was sitting in the table reading with you because it was that morning. Yeah. And blown away by how immediate the the sense of um, camaraderie, compassion, love that you came to the very first table read with. Um, so, and it just went on from there. I mean, you know, I love you so much. I love you You're so much. So special to me. Tell me a little bit about the process because I know you found the book mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. numerous books yes well right? we found Jane Green yeah um well first to what you're saying it's really interesting because when my husband and I were talking about working together yeah it it, it, it does go to that so I'll address that first and then go to kind mm-hmm. of the process of it um you know we sort of talk to each other like okay can we do this and how is it gonna work did you and, have that conversation oh yeah I mean, I didn't want to get divorced over a movie. <laughs> I mean, we've been together already like 17 years and like, 
Um, and like, you know, Hollywood marriages, you always hear they kind of never last. But um, I was not going to become that statistic over work. Right. Because I really value what Manu and I have. And then I thought, and kind of through our discussions, we thought, well, of course we can. I mean, we do this every day in navigating childcare with our kids because we're very hands-on parents and, um, and with work. And, and then it was a matter of, okay, well, so we know that we can get along through it and how we're going to handle the stress. And so we had many conversations about it. And so I think our biggest thing was, um, presenting, which was came very honestly from us, but as a united front. Right. And, you know, so did you guys have different concerns? On the movie or coming into it Just or about into the other it as a married as a married couple? Like, were your concerns different than his concerns? I think. And I think that that's what's really interesting because – and that's what was so amazing about working together was we recognize within each other the strengths and then where we could up our game. And I feel like – the yin-yang thing sort of like, I feel like I could be humble enough to go, wow, I really need to learn about camera lenses. I don't know about that. I'm re And then say, well, what am I really good at? I'm really good at like uh, the script breakdown and character and emotional and, and sort of all, and then kind of list what I am good at. And where it became tricky is where we kind of crossed over and then who is going to take that even though we're both good at that. Right. And I think that that then comes down to um, uh, kind of the give, you know, taking the ego away and, and the give. Because right. um, Manu is really great with actors and, and really great with, you know, script development and breaking down. But it was a very, um, we really, it was like we found our way of kind of this flow. So I think. And was all that discussed before you went in? I, it was such a like whirlwind yeah. experience that I don't think everything was discussed, but the moment like <laughs> we would like, you know, come home from, you know, um, our prep and like felt like our heads were going to explode over maybe a tense moment or a disagreement, you had to really get there really fast on negotiating how to get through it because you only had like the prep was so quick. Um, and then shooting, we only had a certain amount of days. Um, yeah, there's no time. There's, there's just no, no time. time. Yeah. Um, but I'll go back, I'll go backwards a little bit to go forwards. Wait, um, but would you do it again? Oh, in him? a heartbeat. Oh, I love in that. A, yeah. I mean, I just feel I, it's interesting because I definitely want to now branch out kind of on my own and I feel confident enough from that amazing experience. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also love collaborating with him because there's also this like incredible sense of like, you know, trust is like an, an enormous. I was going to say safety. You know, right? and that's also what I felt immediately with you. I loved that in the table read, I could see. It's interesting that you tell me that that's what was said by the costumer. Like, well, if they get along. Yeah. Right. Because it was kind of like, I loved that you were assessing. I got a little bit of like assessing because you're such a professional. You're so good at you what you do. And I knew that I had to set the bar really – can I say fucking high? Yes. I don't know. Oh, can yeah, I say those cursed. things right here? Yeah, we, um, because I want – I knew 
I knew you were bringing your A game. And so I wanted to bring my A game and I didn't want any bullshit in getting kind of getting in, in lost in there. And so I thought the minute like what you had all these like amazing questions and I remember Manu and I were like, yes, we t- that is weak there. That is weak there. We're going to fix it here and we're going to fix it here. Don't you think part of what we do, though, from the actor's perspective, though, is getting a good assessment of the situation and the people? Like, so I go into every new project with that, like, reading because so much of what we have to do is about sort of dealing with everybody else Mm -hmm. as actors, right? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of that is assessing what we need to bring to each individual component, right? right? What we need to bring to actors Mm -hmm. that you're working with, what you need to bring to the director, what Mm -hmm. you need to give to the producer. So much is about assessing a situation for me. But what was great about you, and you even talked about it during the shoot, I didn't for one second, and I'm so grateful for this, I didn't for one second feel like you were assessing me like, oh, can this woman direct or, oh, Mm. you know, and that was a really interesting thing when we were hiring the crew and the people that didn't um, regard me as the equal because I was a woman, we didn't hire. Mm. And even some of the women that came in for some of the jobs. I know. Isn't that crazy? It was insane. They didn't even, in the interview, they didn't even look at me. I have been there. Isn't that the most bizarre thing? It is the most bizarre. Because we're so conditioned to think that we need to give the men attention. I know. (gasps) So glad you said, I got just goosebumps. It was really, really interesting. And I had to find myself, not get angry at it, and understand that it's, it's a sort of like a multi-faceted, layered approach to it. I had to educate, you know, I mean, like simple things, Alyssa. Like when we were uh, having uh, meetings um, with, it was mostly male and they were great. I didn't hire those people. Uh, when we had our meetings through prep and I would sit at the head of the table mm. with menu or Mm -hmm. I would position and it comes back to like a tiny little thing I remember this is so like gonna date me but I remember seeing an interview with Madonna and people were like oh she's like oh it is switch out a chair for her and da 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 and the reason was because the chair that they had given her made her look really small Mm. and she it was something to this extent and she got a chair that positioned her in like a place of Power. power and i thought isn't that interesting it's if i don't advocate for myself i will be in the small chair wow and i thought no one will see me and i don't want to have to reach to be seen reach to be heard um well it makes you think about how many meetings women have had on productions or on scripts for potentially directing something and and having people, you know, purposely put you in a position of weakness mm-hmm. to try to see if you can. It, it makes me feel like there's so many there there were so many um, uh, opportunities that that women could have had. Mm, I completely if, agree. If the room was just set up differently, could you imagine? I know. And you said another amazing thing, which I am so grateful, and it just makes me so emotional. Just your whole your whole support, and again. Definitely, I think I felt like it was not, it was earned 
you know, um, but you said it's really interesting when I see uh, female directors with crews and if a female director starts to run behind or what all any of those things that come into play when you're directing there's just it's inevitable there's yeah. not whether you're running by but just little things like the wrong proper the wrong the da-da-da. crane could break the crane could the mean, crane some, could break something. right yeah. and Crane's when it's break. a woman <laughs> directing or the lights go down or it's raining yeah. that the crew then goes oh see the woman can't handle it and mm-hmm. they kind of back down Whereas if it's, it's sabotage. a man, it's, and it's, I don't know whether it's unconscious, but it's like the C, C. And when it's a man and the crane breaks down, everyone rallies together and tries to fix it. And I will say on this movie, and I don't know whether it's because Manu set that bar, you set that bar, I set that bar, hopefully we all set that bar, or it was the I think group. It, I think it was you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I really do. I'm not just saying that. Thank I think you. it was you. But I feel like everyone, when something was potentially about to go off the rails, like everyone rallied. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that is like, we, we all have to be more conscious of who we hired to be ADs. Mm-hmm. ADs are really important. And we need, whether they're male or female, they need to be on our side. Yeah. And they need to be able to drive a set. That's not your job. Your right. job is not to drive a set. So if you're getting sabotage, that's why I think it's more sabotage, conscious sabotage. Mm-hmm. But don't you also think it's like ingrained? Like I think about like, like even me, I've really had to like, you know, we've had a bunch of female directors and like all directors, whatever, there's issues. And I have definitely um, tried to raise up and try to lean in to support whatever that thing that's going off from what you said. Do you know? And, and, and even in the sense that like, even in the sense, if maybe this woman director perhaps might not have been as trained and it's going on kind of like, yeah, not going so mm-hmm, great. Mm-hmm. I also feel like, well, women have not had this opportunity. So you know what? Yeah, they might not right. be, you know what? Maybe right. she is they not as skilled in this thing yeah, because they, she they hasn't had a job. moment. Yes. Yes. So let me lean in and yeah. take more time right. to accommodate like what is happening in this moment so that like they would say for a first time male director. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Say, how is it different working with Shonda on Grey's Anatomy? It's amazing. It's, I mean, it's really, I have to give, Shonda and her team, Shonda Land, credit for. I don't know. I don't know if I would have uh, raised my hand to direct mm. and kind of jumped in the ring if I hadn't had so many examples. And I, you know, I, I told her and, you know, Betsy Beers and kind of her team because, I mean, even in the times that we're in, I go to other sets and you don't see as many women working. And I love men and I love their jobs. I'm not bashing them. We did this really important standalone episode, really heavy situation. I've seen soldiers like this. Young women and young men brutalized with no idea how to talk about it. What you did today with Abby, that was not protocol. I know, I know, and I'm sorry. I'm saying... It should be. So we had a female DP. 
We had, uh, and also inclusion of color of, uh, uh, our first AD woman, second AD woman, our director was a woman. Um, I mean, it was just, it was so filled with women. And again, I love the male crews I've worked with, but we need to be able to, um, have room for these women who have not had opportunity to get the opportunity right. and to learn the skills. And these women were badass rock stars. So good. And it was such an incredible experience. Yeah. I think the job that we have being women in power is to empower other women. Yeah. yeah. I think it's super, super important. It's our time to have wage equality once and for all and equal rights for women in the United States of America. It is really interesting how, as women, we are really not used to or accustomed to being forceful and asking what we want. We are honored uh, to be here to present the award for Best Director. And here are the all-male nominees. For for quality change to occur, for profound, lasting change to occur, it needs to take place through specific actions, not through generalizations and not through pontification. Um, And it's, you know, it's it's addressing the gender gap and it's it's addressing the the, the racial diversity and the uh, the equality and, you know, the way we make the work. And, of course, that's going on in our industry and I, I hope, you know, in many industries because the creative industries are no different from any other industry around the world in terms of those problems that they face. So in 2018, women comprised... 20% of all directors, writers, producers, executive producers, editors, and cinematographers working on the top 250 domestic grossing films. This represents an increase of only two percentage points from 18% in 2017. How is that possible? How is that possible? Last year, only 1% of films employed 10 or more women in the above roles. Oh my God, that's just, that can't be possible. In contrast, 74% of films employed 10 or more men. Women accounted for 8% of directors, down three percentage points from 11% in 2017. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How is that? I, I'm just like, I thought, I felt Wait, like this we were one's moving even, forward. This is even more horrifying. This is one percentage point below the 9% achieved in 1998. No, that's not possible. Yeah. Uh, in 2017-18, the percentages of female characters on screen and women working in key roles behind the scenes has declined on television. Wait, we have to we have to stop there. I I like my literally I feel like I'm I'm speechless because I f- I feel like I'm seeing a change. So how can these numbers be so... I will I think say- because there is so much... The, the playing field is so much broader with the streamers and right, right. all the cable channels, direct TV, and there's so right. many more productions that those numbers aren't where they should be, right? In 1998, what was there? Four networks? Oh, okay, right, 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 right. I mean, I will say, and just a little shout out to Lifetime because they are so supportive of women so that we don't feel discouraged. And by the way, 
have always been supportive. Always. Of women. Before it was like the trend. Overall, females comprise 40% of all speaking characters on television programs appearing on broadcast networks, cable, and streaming services, a decline of two percentage points from 42 in 2016. There's more. Behind the scenes, women accounted for 27% of creators, directors, writers, executive producers, producers, editors, and directors of photography working on programs delivered via the various platforms last year. This represents a decline of one percentage point from 2016-2017. Overall, programs employed behind-the-scenes women in relatively small numbers. For example, 69% of programs employed five or fewer women in the roles considered. In contrast, only 13% of programs employed five or fewer men. Okay, that's horrific. So you're like the game changer. Like what's so amazing about you is like I can read that and be like, oh my God, that's so terrible. But you're like, you're like the pioneer well, person here's who the makes thing. change. So what do we, <laughs> here's what the, do we here's do the with thing. that? Here's the thing. I... Okay, so so over the upfronts, right, which is where where all the networks sort of present panels to support their programming for the next year. There were so many panels this year on female creators, female mm-hmm. directors, female writers. So but what we were t- they talking about? How they hired women. They were talking about being a woman in the industry, how there needs to be none of them were given the opportunity to talk about their art. If you could use makeup or your phone one last time, which one would you pick? Makeup or your phone? Is this one what you last think time? girls have t- trouble choosing? <laughs> yeah, I, can you really go anywhere without your cell phone? Yes. How long Ooh. can you go without looking at Twitter? Many hours. I was waiting for you to smile at some of the compliments. You didn't. She's being <laughs> smiling doesn't win you gold medals. Uh oh. Okay. Um, what's your favorite position? CEO. CEO. Oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. Like, how come you get, like, the really interesting, like, existential question and I get the, like, rabbit food question? But I just wanted to ask you, as you were reading the script, did you ever think, why are all these women in here? I thought this was supposed to be a man's movie. No. <laughs> not for one minute. I uh, would really like to thank Sports Illustrated for recognizing me, not just as sportswoman or sports of the year, but just sports person of the year. Vous m'avez demandé par rapport à, à les femmes. Uh, you uh, asked me about on, women. On tous les temps, nous questions comment est-ce que c'est People être People keep asking us what's it like being a woman et, director. Et c'est un peu, je suis contente de voir And I'm pleased to see that we're well represented here. In fact, there is an equal number of men and women. It's a odd when we're asked this question. It's a bit like asking someone who survived a shipwreck why he's still alive. They were talking about how unique it was to be women in these positions. And I'm wondering if we need to shift that narrative completely. And instead, be talking, be allowed to talk about the creation that we're doing, so that we are not coming from a place of of being in the small chair, right? I mean, what's interesting is sometimes I also feel like um, the win 
is also the example. Like when you, when I look at Brie Larson. Yeah. And that was, her movie was directed by a woman as well, right? Her Marvel movie. I mean, and so the narrative of female directed and female lead action movies don't make money. Wasn't it like the biggest box office? Yes, as uh, was Wonder Woman. Right. Wonder Woman is living up to her name in every way. The film, based on the DC comic superhero who debuted 76 years ago, shattered the box office record for a female director, hauling in more than $100 million in the U.S. opening weekend. Despite the haters, the controversy, Captain Marvel prevailed. That's right, the latest MCU movie earned an estimated $153 million domestically, 302 internationally, and a worldwide total of $455 million. Yeah, that is the second highest worldwide opening weekend for a Marvel movie behind only Avengers Infinity War. But I will also just add to that, I don't know if they necessarily believe that that was ever true. And here's why. This is my philosophy. Mm-hmm. could be totally wrong, but mm-hmm. this is how I've made it in mm-hmm. my head. Television has always been about right. consumers, advertisers, and their consumers and advertisers are always about the female demographic. Mm-hmm. Television has always been about the female de- demographic. Mm-hmm. They don't really care about them. I mean, if they get it, great. Right, right. right. But the well, things that make shows like Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm. or Charmed, you know, these long, loyal following, it's all women. Mm-hmm. It's all about women. And so the characters have to be super strong. So the audience members and the consumers that are buying the advertising products have to be relatable or inspire something. Or So I don't necessarily buy that that's true because they have a pretty good idea that in one form of entertainment mm-hmm. that is completely dedicated to strong female stories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at you know, film actresses mm-hmm. for the last 20 years when they reach a certain age, where do they go? They go to TV. Right, right. I mean, Glenn Close, I mean, all of these, right. these women. So I think, I think that's kind of bullshit. I think it's what yep. the, the industry sort of perpetuated this idea of like, well, female care, they don't make money. But, right, right. but right. we know that they do because right. we've had that in television for but so I, many years. And I feel like that narrative is no longer like holding water because the example is proving it wrong. Right. And I think maybe the other key thing is is getting women into those decisive money financial uh places to 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 greenlight those moves. So studio right. heads and yeah. executives and the Shondas and you know um I mean what's so shocking about those numbers to me is I feel like Another thing that has kind of pushed me to be like, yeah, I can do this, is that I feel like I've seen so many more women show running, like coming up with an idea and then saying, I'm going to write it. I'm going to show run it. Whereas normally it's sort of like they would write it, but then a man would come in and be the one to green light it. I mean, that's what happened with Charmed. Yeah. I mean, it's where it was really. Yeah. A woman created it. And then they fired her after the pilot and they brought in a man and he ran the show for and abused women while running the show. It's just, yeah, it was I think that of, I feel like that has to be changing. No, I, I, I feel like we should have this conversation again a year from now and, and see. see what those statistics are, because I guarantee you there's a bump up. Mm. But mind you, I think because there are so many outlets now mm-hmm. that those mm-hmm. numbers are 
have shifted, mm-hmm. um, but not really in our benefit because right. there is so much more being produced. Mm-hmm. Those numbers should be through the roof because there's so much more being produced. I know. I know. It's crazy. But that's why I also feel in a way of like, okay, well, so how do we, how do we change, how do we change that? And I guess these conversations, right. Being a part of the, you know, I mean, I definitely, you know, when we were up in Vancouver and we were hiring people, I was, I, I kept saying, well, where are the women's resumes? And they were like, well, well, there's no, I was like, bullshit. (laughs) I was like, I want, I want more resumes of women. And so I think that that is also for me, at least my job to make sure that I'm advocating for other women. And I know that then there's that whole conversation, well, you know, qualified. Yeah. 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 I know. Like I do want to hire qualified people. Yes. But unless people are in the room, like if I had a, if I had a positive female mentor throughout my twenties, I mean, could you imagine how different, how much easier life would be if someone was able to teach you because I think that's the other problem too is our our mentors are powerful men Mm -hmm. so we think we have to act like a powerful man because that's the only sort of visual we have to power or well and that was the only way in I mean I definitely felt that way I definitely felt like like being a girl's guy yeah guy's girl yeah like (laughs) and and really strong and very New York and like And I feel like it's a new thing I'm kind of trying. I don't know how I feel about it, but I'll share it with you. Of uh, that vulnerability is also incredibly powerful. Makes me really nervous because like I've had to like grow up in New York and you have to make, you have to make your place by being very strong, very, you know, opinionated, but not too opinionated because you don't want to be that bitch girl, you know? Um, that's why I love what you do. I love that you're so smart and so opinionated and not afraid to be opinionated and not afraid to, you are like, you're not afraid. You don't come across as afraid right. to speak your yeah, sorry, truth. Not, sorry. Yeah. I yeah. mean, but that's, um, so there's this great thing that I strive for in my activist life that I think could be used in our industry as well, or any industry, which is leadership through service. Mm. And I think what you were talking about, like when you were on set and there is a female director and a female, and giving them every chance to succeed, like setting them up for success Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is leadership through service. Mm. Only it translates into our business. Mm -hmm. And I think if you think about how we are built as women, and all the things we celebrate about women, it's a much more natural place for us to lead from Mm -hmm. than a place of, you know, building the walls and having to be strong Mm -hmm. and this calloused person Mm -hmm. that, um, and it, it's almost like a, like a, like a goddess sort of philosophy of leadership. And I think it's, I think it, I think it, I think it works in our industry too. Yeah. And um, I want to give you the opportunity to not talk about what it means to be a female director, but just about the art that you created. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I think it all started. Start from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. I'll start from the beginning. Because I think the story is triumphant. I think I felt 
um, that I got to a place where I wanted to create more. I, I felt so grateful kind of where I was as an actor. And I, I, I kept seeing these other actors sort of like multi hyphenate themselves. And I, I remember being at a Christmas party with someone and I was like, and I've got this great idea. Da, da, da. And he was like, Kim, everyone in Hollywood has a great idea. You need to just write it. And I was like, write it. Um, that I'm not sure I'm there yet. And back burner is actually, I want to write a pilot and you're very inspiring. We've talked about that. But on this journey of the Jane Green tempting fate journey was, um, so I thought, oh, okay, I just have to do it. Right. And I think the thing that also fueled me was, you know, there's this whole thing of self-doubt. Well, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I remember a lot, like three or four years ago, I found this book and I had been talking to um, this amazing surgeon and she had had a um, a memoir and we were working together and I was like, this is going to be an amazing series. I've, I, I know this could be an amazing series and trusting my instinct that it's going to be an amazing series. And my agents at the time, I was like, this is an amazing series. And they're like, Kim, that's not the way it's done. Like actors don't. And I was like, oh, uh, 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 okay. Uh-huh. So I was like, I guess it's not the way it's done. Uh, cut to, I go to London to do 24. So I kind of let the ball drop. And I find out that next year, this book got made into a TV series. Mm-hmm. And I was so yep. rageful. <laughs> And I was like, just so upset. And I thought, you know what, really, Raver, the only person that you have like rage against is yourself because you didn't fucking do it. Right. Like you didn't trust yourself. You didn't have examples. You went to a bunch of people that weren't supportive of you being a multi-hyphenate person, creative. Um. So then I was like, and maybe it comes from like my childhood of, you know, having a single mom raise me and my sister and like, you just, you got to do it. Like no yeah. one is going to do it for you. No. You got to do it. So I, um, I threw, you know, friends and people I was working with, I found Jane Green, uh, and, um, my partners, we kind of came together and we we're like, we're going to make a movie. So we just kind of connected with Jane Green, who is a writer and she has, you know, like, I think 16, you know, New York Times bestsellers. And, um, and I think from the failure of not having, um, trusted myself, Mm. uh, fueled me throughout multiple times of like, yeah, no, this is not going to, I don't know how, you know, like kind of the nose of this business, right? Um, and I was like, I am going to make a movie. <laughs> um, and I think it's because I, I initially wanted to make a role that I had control over. So I'd initially thought maybe I'll act in it and direct it, um, and get it written. And, um, and then as it was going on, I really wanted to be able to direct it and, and fully be invested in that. So we found the writer, we connected with her. And then I went to Lifetime and I pitched it to Lifetime and they're like, we love it. That's great. And then that person at Lifetime ended up leaving and going to Netflix. Of course. Of course. So like right <laughs> as it's greenlit, you're like, yay. Oh no. <laughs> so then it was not going to happen. So then I was like, I am not letting this happen. How so long then, ago was this? I think it was like three years ago. Wow. So then I 
called the head of Lifetime, Tanya, or the head of yeah. this project, and I said, let me, let me, let me take a meeting. She's like, okay. And again, like empowerment, right? I said, here are all the reasons why we need to make this movie. She's like, go for it. Go do it. And I was like, yes. That's awesome. You know, little chair, big person, go. Um, so I developed it, got it written. And then, uh, and then another like wall of like, it's great. We love it. We don't know how to program it. And I was like, well, let me help you with that. Because wow. in the meantime. I didn't know that part. Yeah. In the Because they didn't, they couldn't program it as kind of a single movie. And in the meantime, me and my partners uh, had acquired like six or seven of her other books. So I went back. And I said, Tanya, let me see you. I called her up again. She goes, okay, come on in. I said, so here's this amazing script. I can make you five more. I just, I don't know what, where it was coming from, but it was like, just get her done. And she said, I'll give you two more. She's like, which ones? I was like, well, here's this one, this one, this one. And we broke it down and I pitched her those. Um, and she chose the two. And so I was like, a wheel of movies. Here we go. That's so awesome. And so you went from having none greenlit to three, three greenlit. Right. Which, and in the moment, like, I'm not even aware that this, I'm not even aware. Do you still have the option to the other three? We made, we made, so now we have the but other two. We made, no. Did those, you, those you, we, no, yeah, we, yeah. we, that's a whole, yeah. But, um, <laughs> is. I was like, I'll keep the three, we'll make the three. It was like, you know, you, and like, you know, so it's a whole other skill. I'm now an executive producer. Right. Trying to get these movies made. And there's these, you know, blockades at every corner. And yet there is also this incredible support from Lifetime. Um, and I remember saying to my, one of my agents, now to also backtrack, I have this incredible, uh, agent. Um, and so Leslie, I kept saying this is what I want to do. And she's like, I support you 100%. Here's this person. I support you 100%. Here's that person. And I, I could have never done it without her and my manager because they supported me in being like a multi-hyphenate right, right. creator. And I just so believed in Tempting Fate. It was just such a story about women, a woman, but all of us. And, and I loved how complicated she was and that, you know, to talk about like the creative part of it, I was so sure of this story of, um, of making a choice that turns out to be a fucked up choice, but a choice and then standing by it and owning it and actually uh, making her life better because of this kind of thing that blew up her life. And I, I just, I, could, I get so emotional. I'm like looking at you and you're so incredible. I just knew that was like my anchor of like, I know that this is great. So where, where is everybody? Everybody who? Everybody, the architects that we're supposed to be meeting. Uh, there was some rescheduling, but I thought that you and I could still get together. <sighs> okay. I mean, it's one thing to be a little flirty over text, but to be together and for you to be flirty with someone that you can't have. You're absolutely certain that I'm flirting with somebody that I can't have? This is not a game for me. This is real life, you know? Like, I, I have a husband. I can't do this. I'll 
okay. So... Co-workers? And if you're really lucky, friends? Friends. Okay. There's very few movies that are made with a female character who is so flawed, who Mm -hmm. makes pretty much the wrong decision every Every, step of the way, but somehow she's still likable because... because of you, too. Because (laughs) you played it. Well, that was before I even decided to do it, though, just from the script, like knowing or finding... Maybe the challenge for me was finding what was likable about Mm -hmm. her, but this idea that she had to be likable in order for it to work for you to care about the character and what she's going through. Which is interesting, right? Like, isn't that, that's another, like, really interesting thing, because I know men don't, men men don't get like, oh, he's making up fucked up choices, but is he likable? And somehow, and I, you know, and it's funny, because as an actor, whenever I would hear that, I would, I would, uh, but then as a director, I was like, no, we have to make her likable. We have to. I think. I think dude characters have to be likable too. Like if you look at even like the anti-heroes, there's still something kind of Yeah, but they get to make I mean They get to make worse. Jack choices. Bauer gets to, you know, yeah. use a chainsaw toward like, you know, yeah, whatever. Like, like house. <laughs> right? I mean, house every week. I was like, why am I watching this show? This guy is such an asshole. But then right. he'd sit down and play the piano at the end and there'd be some lovely montage and I'd be like, Oh, I, oh, love, I love him. House. I know, I know. And I mean, and so maybe to that extent that's why I did kind of go down that road because and I don't know. And I'm I'm irked slightly that we do as women probably have to make the character more likable or lean inable or you know whatever that is. But like, but I wanted people to f- go on this journey with her, so I I did say, well, yeah, let it let 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 us find her likability and let us find, and maybe that's what it is. like. Maybe that's also okay. Like I that's what okay. I love about it is that we we have moments. I just wanted it to be where you crack open this woman and there are there are ugly sides because we all we all have those sides and I think we're all just trying to find our way and it's like life is so complicated and so I think you it's, know, it's messy. Like, it's messy. And the, and the dark makes it like, it's like an oil painting. Like when you make it, when you have a dark line and then you put a, a, a light line next to it, it's what illuminates the light. It's like, and I feel like that that is really what I, what I loved initially about Tempting Fate. Um, and so that also was kind of my drive to make sure I, I got to make those. And so whatever it was, whether it was one or then I needed five more, or then it turned into a trilogy. And, um, and I really, I have to say, talk about mentors. I really feel like, um, Tanya, you know, was an incredible mentor because at one point, again, it was almost, you know, we, it, it had gotten so close to like, you know, I only had my hiatus to make it happen and we were so close. And I was like, we have to do it now. And I remember there was like a phone call and it was like, are we all in to make this or not? And I was like, I'm in. I, mean, I had to really put myself on the line. And we had like 16 people on the phone and she's like, we got to get in the foxhole. We got to put our hands in and decide to do it. And I was like, I can do this. I don't know so where I like, but also again, like, I don't know where that came from and maybe it came from your initial question like it came from the passion of wanting to tell the story yeah um and then having uh the support to do so and then also maybe just from your past experience of not being able to do it right you know and 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 seeing that 
yeah and i think that there's a lot of there's a lot to be said for um projects that start from the seat well mm-hmm. you you guys had so much love in this project because uh-huh. your your love yeah. was there but in within your marriage but also there's something i think um there is always something that when you when the seed is planted under some sort of constraint or or um, energy that is alive, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, whether that be a time frame or like I don't like things to ever be too easy on a set mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I feel like it doesn't create any sort of energy mm-hmm. that translates onto the screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think. Sometimes it's good to have that seed planted in the way of like a little bit of chaos. Right, right. Right? Because then you, it's passion. Right, right. And that passion is a drive. Mm-hmm. And that drive is to get it done. And you got it done. And then also the chaos of doing it with your husband and mm-hmm. that love and, and nurturing it and creating something in a really, how many days did we shoot that? Oh my God. I was just thinking when you were talking that it, that's something that like also you just, you just don't know and you can't even comprehend like you cannot even comprehend like the anti-glamour of it like it was such a passion piece i think we shot it in 16 days and it was that's a full length like, movie feature. like a full length feature or something <laughs> they have like three people have three days. months to do it 16 days yeah you were such a rock star well we just did You're it we all did so it everybody ta- was amazing no 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 i we, i really now have to do a shout out to you i mean your grace and talent and intelligence and dedication and support like that movie would not have been made without you That's like very sweet Thank i really you. i mean i'm not good at compliments y- so i know but just please move on. But no I no i mean your your listeners have to know that like there's something also about hiring the right person right and you i mean also with your experience, I mean, you could literally, like the amount of dialogue you were memorizing, the no sleep, juggling, having a family, bringing your kids, I mean, having all your other projects. I mean, I remember during the table read, you would have major congressmen and women on the phone. You're like, hold, please. <laughs> You're like, let me go save Cuomo. the world. Give me, give me one second. <laughs> I was like, of course, you're saving the world. Um, that was the last panic attack I've ever had. Oh my gosh, that's... Because that day... So after our table read, I didn't eat that day. And then after the table read... Before the night of like first day of shooting with like major dialogue. Right. I had... It was during the family separation time. Oh my gosh, that's right. I'll never forget it because that was parallel. And I think a lot of my emotional stuff in the movie was from the angst of Mm -hmm. what the country was going through. But um, I uh, had scheduled a phone call with Governor Cuomo... Um, about the kids that we saw being shuttled in the middle of the night in New York to another detention center. And on the way to the hotel, I had a full-on panic attack, had Transpo drive me to the emergency room, which, by the way, in Canada is amazing. Right. It's literally mm-hmm. like you're going to a spa because it's, it's socialized medicine. Right. I know everyone in this country is super scared of that word, but it was it was amazing. And so I got Healthcare an IV... All. With with fluids while I was talking to Cuomo on the while phone, I'm sure you had your script, you remember your lines, lines on my lap, and I thought this is just the chaos of my life. But but I've, not I but have, there's this, no, that no. was the last panic attack I've had. That's amazing. CBD oil. That's amazing. That's a ama- that's a big that's a big deal. I've been having a panic attacks since I was twenty. That's a big deal. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, so big deal that you actually. I mean, that you. How long ago was that? It. I don't even like was just it a year and a half ago, a year ago. So a year. So I haven't had a panic attack. That's in a amazing. Year. That's a big accomplishment. Yay! 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 You. But I remember ta- texting with you, and you're being like, "Just go take care of yourself. It's all going to be okay." And I thought, we'll be fine. I thought <laughs> that trust. I trust. I trusted you at that. I mean, that was the same day I met you because I was like, I'm sharing my my most sort of the ugliest part about who I am. Um, and you were so supportive and amazing. So but, and, uh, thank you. Well, but I think that goes to the thing of like the power in vulnerability. Like right. I feel like you and I also in that moment, because I don't know, there was like, there was like an instant bond of connectivity yeah. and trust and, and the stuff that you were managing, I knew also emotionally in the film was also so deep and huge. And, yeah. um, well, I, every time I do emotional shit, cause I'm not, I, I didn't, I've never had an acting class in my fucking life. So for me, I just go to that place. I wish I had better tools because it would probably be a lot less hurtful for my being. Mm -hmm. Like even in comedy crying scenes, Mm -hmm. I need a good 48 hours to sort of Mm -hmm. contain myself again because I go into like a Mm -hmm. dark place to get to that emotion well i don't necessarily know how to get out of it or well but remember we were talking about i was like you know doing like a like a kind of unwind of the emotional to kind of leave it behind but i think you have more tools than you think you yeah if i do if i can find them (laughs) no i have a lot of tools but sometimes i can't find them (laughs) well but that's why you have a supportive group around you do you know what i mean like that's why hopefully you have the supportive director and you know so that that, so what did you what I mean, I can imagine it being such a an incredible learning experience, not only just for you personally as an artist, but what about like as your husband's wife? Mm-hmm. Well, that I mean, that was you mean the whole process, the of whole it? process. Like, what did you learn about yourself or about your relationship? I mean, your relationship. I hope you. I hope you know how strong it is oh, because it you. was. Thank you. It's pretty amazing to watch the it's, way you guys maneuvered all of that. It was a lot. It was definitely, it was a lot. Can I tell I the mean, story about the parking lot? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so 16 whirlwind days, chaos. Um, and Kim and, and Manu were so amazing together and professional. I didn't see them really hold hands or we were anything. trying desperately not every time i would like sort of start to <laughs> slide my hand over be like oh no don't no, no, talk no no no, 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 no touching <laughs> and then they yelled rap on the last shot and i went into my trailer and i got changed and i got into the transport truck and i was going back to the hotel and i look and i see these two figures like backlit by the parking lot lighting and it was kim and menu fully making out <laughs> in the parking lot together Tell them what you shouted out the window. I was like, get around. But <laughs> I just thought, oh, that's going to be such a relief to be done. Oh, my God. It was such a huge relief. So what did I you mean, learn about yourself? Well, I mean, what I – because you also said, what did you learn about your husband? It was so great. It was so sexy and great, actually, to see him kind of in his working element. Right. You know, like, I know how great he is. I know all of these amazing things about him. But to see him, you know, I mean, for, I don't even, there's so much stuff, like, also, we didn't, I didn't share with you because I wanted you to know everything's fine. Everything's yes. great. But <laughs> United on, Front. United Front. But, like, no, but I mean, like, meaning what I didn't show you, me, like, like, shit was hitting the 
fucking fan of like, you know, we only have 30 minutes to shoot this scene and like, yeah. you know, so there I was never felt that by the way. I, when I was really doing some good acting in front of you, never I felt was that like, for a second. And you always good. feel that on a set. Everything's fine. Yeah. We're great. So yeah. whenever you're ready, let's go to the mark. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> I remember at one point my new said to me, I think it was the first day, and I was freaking out. He goes, okay, your face, Kim, you have to relax your face because you look really stressed. And I'm like, I'm not stressed out. I'm fine. Let's just get everyone. we got to get everyone. He goes, you've got to show calm. I'm like, I'm very calm. He goes, I don't think you're calm. I was like, okay, is this look better? He goes, it's better, but you can even be better. But just don't talk. Just don't talk because that quality of your voice, that high-pitched it's it's fear. Bring it down. <laughs> but I remember on like, remember when we were in that like guest cottage that we were like using for the restaurant and then that's supposed to be like great bar scene yes. on the outside. Yes. Okay. So we use the time really well inside, really important scene. It's the scene where you have the baby, like uh-huh. you're, you're, you're acting. I mean, all of it, but you're acting in that moment is so extraordinary. Thank you. And, uh, and then we had to like get outside and we only had, I mean, like a teeny tiny window before, like, and this is not like, you know, some, you know, $20 million movie. They were like, sure, shoot two more hours. Oh, yeah, you want to yeah, crane? Like, fine. fine. No, no. Like this was like, uh, you got a budget. You have a time. We pull the plug. And so the producer's like, oh, we're pulling the plug in an hour. And I was like, oh, my God. We had that scene outside <laughs> yes. with you and Zane. Yes. It was, like, also really important. Yes. And I remember, like, like the thing is, like, Manu was kind of more in charge of, like, setting up camera. And, uh, you know, we kind of divided and conquered. And um, and I also, my big thing is I wanted to make sure that we finished every day on time. That was, like, a yeah. really big thing. I didn't want to go over. I wanted to be like, see? We can do it. We're badasses. And so I was like, okay, we have 60 minutes. Okay, we have 55 minutes. Okay, we have 45 minutes. I'm like, Menu, why is the camera not up? What is happening? And I remember they're like, okay, camera's up. And I went and I looked through the lens and I was like, this looks horrible. I was like, I was like with a table and all of a sudden I was starting to kind of like freak out but I had like my calm everything is fine everything right. is great yeah, I, like, I did the not feel that in. at all I was like okay is everyone you ready you really are a good actor I was I did not really feel that I was at really I remember and I felt that feeling on set before where you're like the last person up it's an important scene you know and you and feel rushed you, and, it's, and the it's the worst the worst feeling and I yeah. was like I will not do that to my actors I will not do that to you <laughs> but meanwhile I was looking at I was like oh my <laughs> god we have 45 minutes and this like the shot looked like shit and so I look through the lens and I'm like Manu we can't I was like we can't make it better (laughs) I was like and I didn't know in that moment how to make it but I was like I you know I'm running around and like changing the tablecloths because it was like these ugly metal tables and Manu was like Pull the cam- pull the camera back and put in the uh, you know, my husband's Zoom French. Lens. That's why I put the and put a long lens on. See, you know, and uh, move the blue bottles. Okay, so maybe his accent isn't that bad. He's gonna kill me, but he has a French <laughs> accent. And he literally in twenty seconds he made what was like a really bad looking shot into like the most beautiful like long lensy the color of the bottle was out of focus and you guys were like in yeah. there and I was like yeah. great 
roll camera, yeah. let's go. <laughs> and we had, I think, like 25 minutes. And then we like literally did that French, whatever that's called, where you scooch the table around. The we cheat. moved, we yeah, we moved everything. you guys yep. around and we shot in the same thing and we got the scene done and yep. it looks great. And it's beautiful. And it's, it's magical. Beautiful. And it that feels was like, ma- I always feel like that long lens stuff is kind of magic. It's so magic. So yeah. like that, when you say like, okay, what did you learn? Like that, like learning, like Manu, my husband's like incredible kind of calmness and like indie experience of like making something, uh, he work. just made it, make, make it work. It, make it work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then what did I learn about myself? And sometimes I feel like the better art comes when you have those moments, yes. right? Yes. Because you probably, if the set was perfect and you loved everything, you probably wouldn't have done it with a long lens and it, you know, right. would have just felt... Kind of sameness. Yeah. Or- yeah. Almost. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, it's, I remember uh, Robert Rodriguez used to say that he, he, you know, he had that cinematic style of... Um, where he'd do the handheld, but they didn't have money for a dolly, so he found an old wheelchair. Oh my god! And they great. would scoot him around on the wheelchair <laughs> while he was holding the camera. And he was like, "That, that was innovative. That's my style. Had I had money, I would have never done that. Right, right. I That's would have so never great. done that. So just that." Making do with what you have sometimes makes better art. No, that's really great. And instead of, it's that thing of like, instead of being angry about it and like, I don't have my dolly. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's that same sort of thing of like, everybody else is making movies. Like, no, just figure it out. Figure it out. um, And I think, and to answer your question of like, well, what have I learned about myself? I, I think the trusting and not questioning or second guessing. I mean, the second guessing right. is what would helps get it done. But I think like that was like an incredible experience for me to say, oh, look, I had this instinct about this book to make it into a series. I let someone else tell me it's not possible. Right. Whereas if I feel something instinctually, I've been doing this long enough, or if anyone feels something instinctually, yeah. It takes a lot of hard work and a lot of gumption, but like, I think I've really learned to trust myself and not let someone else second guess me. Yeah. And that's not to say that, you know, every time I do something new or I'm in another position that I don't kind of revert back to that, but I definitely, I definitely feel like I found more of my power in this whole experience. And I'm just kind of reflecting on it now. Like I, it was such an amazing experience. Like what you and I had together working Mm -hmm. and like coming in and like whispering in your ear, you know, like that was such a, a beautiful and wonderful. And, um, it was so nice to flex my, I don't want to say muscles, but like my inner creativity in a totally different way. Um, and I think that that's something that I learned, like there's more to me than one thing. Yeah. And I think that as as entertainment, whether it be TV and film, has become so much of a business and less about art, mm-hmm. I think the creative process for actors has sort of been fucked mm-hmm. and stripped away from us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not that I'm complaining about what we do, because I think you know, it gives us amazing opportunity and it's Mm -hmm. super fun. It beats working in a bank. But for me, the, the acting part of it is so, um, it's almost like one dimensional. If you've been doing it as, you know, Mm -hmm. you've, I mean, 
How old were you when you started? Like we have this in common. Well, I mean, I started when I was six, but that was Sesame Street. So it wasn't really That's, like what? That was a pretty big hit. You <laughs> <laughs> know what, Haley? What? I love you. You do, Kim. That's nice. I see. What's that on your on your bib there? It's um, a sign. Yeah. What's it say? Love. Love. Oh, well, what kind of things do you love, Kim? You. Me? Well, that's nice. Your mother. Your mother? And my sister. And your sister. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Still yeah, going I guess I don't <laughs> consider myself like a child actress like you because it was like, I don't know, I was like counting with the count and like, you but know. But you were at work. But I was at work. You're you right. You were at work. And that you is worked. what paid actually my my school because yeah. my mom was a single mom so yeah you like worked yeah at no, a young age true. right it's true so um when you've been doing it for so long i think and and it's become so much about uh money the creative part of acting has sort of been stripped away i find um also directing for a lot of like episodic episodic tv i also think isn't as creative as mm-hmm. it used to be mm-hmm. because a lot of times it's the network or the mm-hmm. showrunner that has certain vision about it so i could see how still being in the business you love but being able to utilize a different part of you know your mind mm-hmm. which just inform i feel like it just informs me more as a creative person like it just without a doubt i mean there you are such a strong director because you know what it takes for an actor to get where she needs to get and and how hard that is sometimes um and also the vulnerability and how we need safety nets we just do actors are very insecure right Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. that's we need the affirmation we need to know that we're doing it okay because we're cracked wide open i think yeah if you're i think as a creator and as an actor. And I think that's something that I really wanted to, to, that was like one of my main things to have on set to, to create a place where you felt, uh, safe. And you, you know, did like that, that. Oh, thank for you. sure. Thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know that anyone that hadn't had your experience could, could, could do that really because you, you. you get it. You've been in that spot. You know, and you've been in that spot probably with horrible directors. You, you, I think, yes. I think you learn, you learn how to like protect that safe spot because you don't have that safety net. There yeah. are, I feel like there are very few people that love working with actors mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, and it's a thing. Yeah. It's a thing. We bring our, we bring shit. Yeah. We, we do. It's a thing. So it's a, don't ever lose that because it's a very special thing that you have to love an actor. You're always going to get the best work out of that, mm-hmm. that person because, because of that. Thank you. Cause you can always look at people and say they don't love what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. But isn't that so interesting too? And it's like, I think in any business, I mean, look, I feel very fortunate that I get to, to, you know, pay for things with the thing that I love to do. Right. But right. I, I, but I think about um, like even people who, you know, retire when I think about, you know, my my mom who was this, you know, single working mom in New York and she really had to find her way and, and you know, you know, became incredibly successful in the 80s when there weren't many working women in yeah. advertising, right? Yeah. And, um, and then to retire and then there's this huge void and – you know, she then, she was supposed to retire and then she was like, oh, I think I'm going to go back to school and, 
um, and now does landscape design and, and then painting. And, and I think it's, I think it's so important that we find things that make us feel of purpose, that we have yeah. purpose and whatever that, whatever field that we do, like I know that I feel the most fulfilled when I feel kind of in my purpose or of when, what, and whatever that is, like, you know, sometimes it's many things. It's many things at once, whether it's also, you know, of purpose parenting. Exactly. Um, you know, where I watch her now also, you know, taking these like incredible, like painting and water, you know, color courses. And it's of, it's, I just think, I think it's very rare that you find the job that makes you feel fulfilled, Mm -hmm. fully fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So what do you do to supplement that job, right? right, To find that fulfillment because you can't live without fulfillment. Right. Right. I think you, I think it probably leads to a lot of depression Mm -hmm. if you're living a life that doesn't feel fulfilled. Yeah. And it's hard to figure that out, right? Like I think, I think that's, you know, like at least when I'm talking to my kids, I'm like, so what? What, what's, you know, what's the thing that sparks yeah. that kind of light and also, inside And also you? know that that doesn't have to be how you make your career. Right. It right. could just be something that you love doing. Right. I mean, my brother played hockey his, his entire childhood. He's not a hockey player, but he right. plays hockey every Sunday in a beer league because right. it makes him feel good yes. and complete. He mm-hmm. doesn't know a life without that. We can't ignore those sides of us that, yep. that make us feel whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to explore what that is. Right. And that's the hard part, I think. Right. And just not being complacent. I agree. That's hard part, I think. Which takes, it's interesting, which kind of takes discipline. Do you yeah. know? Because I think, I think many of us feel impassioned and upset about the way things are maybe in the world or whatever, but it's actually then activating it. Um, you know, and that's very, I think that's, I think that that is, um, you know, genuine. Like I understand that, you know, it's like we're, whether we're raising kids or working hard or, you know, working three jobs to pay the rent, like it, you know, it is, it's almost a luxury to have that thing that makes you feel fulfilled because I get the, I just get how, you know, it's like, but that's, I mean, part of, I think the the problem with, um, the way in which we've put so much emphasis on money I know, and how there is not really a livable wage for people Mm -hmm. and there's not, uh, affordable housing for people. And we're made to feel like we have to work, work, work to get crap that doesn't really fulfill us in it and it's just that's kind of the american way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we've lost sight of um what we need uh, what the government needs to do to help people have a quality of life have a quality of life yep and not be terrified all the time um okay so our movie tempting fate airs on lifetime this week um what would be your pitch for people to watch it my pitch for people to watch it is it is uh, a film about a woman who's not perfect, who is finding her way in her life and in her world and is tempted into making a choice that sort of explodes her world and the expectations of her 
and then has to live in that sort of uh, explosion and actually turns her darkness into a, a really beautiful path. I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to tell you. What? I only had sex with him once. Stop. It, it was just... You know, you only had sex with who once? Matt Shaw. Jesus Christ. Elliot, so you I'm telling that? you that I love you. You slept yes. with it doesn't mean uh, you're, anything. You're pregnant you, with someone's baby who you slept with? I thought you were. Do you hear me? Listen to me. What did you expect me to say? I don't know. I, I, I thought I thought maybe we could figure out a way to work through this together. Work through this? Elliot, please, just try to try to look at this through my eyes. Just 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 for a second. We are such a, an amazing family, the four of us. And this would just be someone else to love. Someone someone who would love you back that wouldn't have to know. I would know! All right, I wouldn't know you're asking me to raise a kid who, who isn't mine, who, who you'd be lying to for their whole life. So there is a poll question that appears every four years lately, and its very existence absolutely nauseates me. Do you think America is ready for a woman president? Frankly, if you are not ready for a woman president... You are not deserving of the label American. What is it, precisely, that would keep someone from voting for a woman? Or from even being ready to vote for a woman? What, what does that mean? If one says because women have periods, menopause, pregnancy, that makes them hormonal or emotional, I am coming to your house and flushing your testosterone and Viagra down the fucking toilet. If America is not ready for a woman to lead... America is not ready for anyone to lead. In fact, we've seen in this nation and in this world that when women lead, amazing things happen. In my industry, we look at some very recent examples. Ava DuVernay's breathtaking Netflix series, When They See Us, is educating a nation not only on the heartbreaking and infuriating false convictions of five young black men in New York City in the early 1990s, but it's reminding the nation of the flagrant and hateful racism that our current president exhibits and exhibited a full 30 years ago. Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman have shown us that action movies directed by and starring women can totally dominate at the box office and with the critics. In my experience, when we bring new people to leadership roles, we find new ideas and new ways to see the world. We not only set down our blinders, we hopefully will never pick them back up. So listen to this. In 2004, Wangari Maathai was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. Maathai was a Kenyan woman who changed the face of Kenya, both environmentally and politically. Her work for ethnic and gender equality was groundbreaking in the 1970s and 80s. And her Green Belt movement planted over, you ready for this, 51 million trees while lifting African women out of poverty by training them in tree planting, beekeeping, and other important and marketable skills. When women lead, 
the world changes. Of her work, Matai said, I was able to see that if I had a contribution that I wanted to make, I must do it, despite what others said. Of her work, Matai said, I was able to see that if I had a contribution I wanted to make, I must do it, despite what others said. That I was okay the way I was, that it was all right to be strong. Sisters, we are strong. It is okay to be strong. Ready or not, the world demands it of us. Lead on. The rest will follow. Sorry Not Sorry is executive produced by Sim Sarna and Alyssa Milano. That's me. Our supervising producer is Allison Bresnik. It's edited by Josh Windage. Our production associate is Daniela Silva. Music by Josh Cook and Alicia Eagle. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and spread the word. Sorry Not Sorry. Sorry Not Sorry.